0: Welcome to episode 77 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business.
1: We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing imbalance while squatting, if foam rolling is enough when you have knee pain, and shoulder pain during tennis. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show.
0: What is up, Achievers? Lucky, number 77. Very lucky. Super lucky.
1: Except I don't like odd numbers. But it's supposed to be a lucky number. Right? It's
0: lucky for almost everyone else besides Lauren. Oh, uh,
1: okay. We'll, we'll see <laughs> if I can make it through. Yeah, even though yeah. it's not necessarily lucky. Like uh,
0: do you want to chat about the the post that we made today about the? Uh, it seems to have been uh, resonating a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: So today we put out a post on Instagram that was basically a picture of Jason doing a one arm push up and also a picture of Jason doing like a kneeling push up, mm-hmm. um, and both of them said "fit." Like, as the title. And then, in the post, it said something like, your fitness journey is your your fitness journey. Mm-hmm. And basically, not to compare yourself to other people. I yeah. forget how I phrased it. I, yeah. I phrased it a lot better in the actual post. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically saying, no matter where... Oh, no matter where you are in your fitness journey. That's what I said. Like right. No matter where you are in your fitness journey, it's your journey. Don't compare yourself to other people. You're still fit because you're still basically... Getting stronger, you're working towards something. You're you're doing something good for your health. So just because you can't do something that somebody else that you see on Instagram might be able to do doesn't mean that you're not fit. It just means that you're at a different place than they are.
0: Yeah, um, and actually, I put I put out a post um, a little bit earlier, um, I think last week or so, and it's oh yeah. The title was whether you think you're fit or not, you're right, and it's a play off of um what's that? is it a Henry Ford line it's like whether you think
1: think you can or yeah you think you can't you're right yeah yeah.
0: you you guys get what i'm saying (laughs) Um, but basically i mean with fitness there's so many different things that you can go for whether it's to be in the best like cardiovascular endurance stamina type shape that you um can can strive to be or the strongest that you can strive to be or to be the best mover or whatever it might be there's so many different categories right and so all of us naturally kind of can figure out what we are inclined towards. Like, I tend to be, actually, both of us tend to be a little bit more fast twitch, more powerful. Um, you seem to have some more endurance capabilities. Like, I have very little endurance capabilities. Yeah. But if I was constantly following or being uh, compared to other people that, you know, have a better endurance uh, capacity than I did, then I would be a little bit discouraged, right? And yeah. so it's just, constantly just be putting things in perspective and not comparing yourself to, to others um, is uh, you know we're just we're just trying to put that across yeah
1: i think it's the biggest thing is like you don't see what you don't see a lot of the times is like the steps that people got to the place that they're at when they start posting stuff on instagram mm. like and a lot of people feel like oh i shouldn't even i is like what i'm doing isn't even worth putting out there because yeah. it's not like as as good as what other people are doing and so what we were kind of saying is just like not to worry about that. Just to be on your own journey and to be proud of where you're at, no matter what. Because anybody who you see, who you think is like so far ahead of you, they had to go through the steps that you're going through now in order to get there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's important to remember too: is that like they were a beginner once too. And if if they forget that, that's like shame on them. Yeah. <laughs> but and if they're gonna like you know put anyone down for not being as fit as they are now, shame on them for sure. But for for you, when you're seeing those things, don't forget that. They didn't just start there. They aren't just naturally fit like that. They, mm-hmm. they started exactly where you are, and they worked up toward it, and you can too.
0: Yeah. And I think when you're scrolling, like, really quickly through your feed, and you see just, just unbelievable feats of strength and unbelievable endurance capabilities and unbelievable power, and you're like, oh, like, I, I can't do that. Yeah. Right? So it's, like, it's really quickly to lose track of that, but hopefully... As we continue to post more, we can continue to try to strive to put things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. Let's get into the questions. So the first one comes from Morafid, and they asked um, recently while squatting, one leg is feeling more sore during and post workout. Can't say for certain, but it seems like my form is good, or at least now, at least now it is. Wondering if you think this might be an imbalance issue, and how you'd recommend going about correcting. If I continue squatting, should I expect it to even to even out? Or would you recommend I do some single leg exercises?
0: Um, Yeah. So it seems like more than likely while this person is squatting, they're favoring one side more so than the other. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, we wouldn't recommend just stop squatting altogether. We think that's totally fine. But like this person mentioned, um, definitely including some single leg work is going to help iron out any imbalances that might be, uh, you know, that might be happening. And so... Things like split squats or single leg deadlifts or step-ups and really not worrying about how much weight you're using but really being mindful of the process and making sure that you're pushing off equally with each leg and making sure that one side doesn't feel more balanced than the other. And if it does, then you just need to be pay a little bit more attention to it, practice those movements a little bit more, and eventually those things will start to integrate together and you'll be able to translate that to when you do your um, bilateral squatting. And now, the other thing to note is when you're squatting, to also be a lot more mindful of the process. And so, you know, something that you're always trying to do is making sure that you're putting equal pressure throughout mainly the middle of your foot. And if you find that maybe one side your weight is shifted more towards your forefoot or a little bit shifted back towards your heel, that's gonna affect how much force you can put into the ground. And so, you always wanna be mindful of where your weight is distributed. Um, with, during your squats. And uh, something that can help for that process is to try warming up uh, without any weight, just body weight, without your shoes on and maybe just doing it barefoot or with socks on. And that can really give you an understanding of where your weight is distributed and going slowly as well. You don't want to dive bomb into these positions. Um, so I'd say just both parts being mindful and integrating a little bit more single leg work.
1: Yeah. Um, the I, what what is interesting is that they said um, like my form my form is good. I feel like my form is good, and yep. that's something that is definitely like from the outside. Your form can look perfect, but if something is going on where you're feeling something mm. more on one side than the other, you might just be putting like Jason was saying, putting more pressure down into the floor on one leg, even though it might not show up. Um, so somebody watching you might say like, "No, it looks good." Yeah. But it's on like definitely don't take that as I shouldn't do anything different. If you're feeling yeah. something different, then that means that it's probably just something more internal that's going on um, and that you just have to be a little bit more mindful of that movement. So sometimes it's not actually visible to even you or even a coach watching you, but if you feel like something's going on, then then definitely it's worth taking a look yeah, at. Yeah,
0: and that's a really good point and something that we factor into our coaching sessions, right? Like pr- uh, previously when we were more inexperienced coaches, we would... Look at an exercise that someone was doing, and if it looked good, then it was good, and we'd move on. But now a lot of the times we inquire a lot more with leading questions like just how did it feel? feel? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or if we give a correction, and that person modifies the way they approach the exercise, and to us it looks better, we still want to take note of did that feel better? And if it didn't, then we obviously need to adjust something again to make sure that that person feels better and more confident while doing so. And so, yeah, just always taking into account that just perfect alignment and form isn't enough. It also has to be, like, how your weight is distributed that's going to affect your confidence throughout the exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool.
1: All right, question number two was is from Lysandia88, and she said, I booked a physical therapy appointment next Monday. I'm a little skeptical and just down about the whole my whole knee slash quad pain. Um, I asked one of the trainers at the gym and he poked at my thigh and told me to foam roll meticulously calves, hamstrings, and quads daily one time a week with a nubby roller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So basically, um, it seems like this person is presenting with some sort of knee pain. They're actually getting it checked out by a physical therapist, which is, which is definitely perfect. definitely what we would recommend. Yeah, that's, that's number one, uh, especially if it's persisting pain. Um, and now, her uh, personal trainer or some sort of acquaintance, personal trainer, has told her to just foam roll um, her calves and her quads and her thighs, etc. And so we think that's, you know, that I think mean, that's generally speaking, that's pretty good advice, uh, foam rolling and just kind of addressing soft tissue quality around the surrounding um, areas. But we think that that is just one part of the puzzle. So we want to make sure that when we approach pain and just overall health, we want to make things a little bit more comprehensive. And so what's happening is – well, we don't know what's happening, what's causing the pain, whatever it might be, whether it's tendonitis or some other sort of thing that we are – completely unaware of yeah
1: like she may have had an injury like that she actually yeah hurt her knee but most likely what because it seems like this has just kind of like popped up and it's something that's bothering her yeah because otherwise if she had like an actual injury she probably would have gone to the doctor yeah like if it was in a sport or something so let's just assume that this is some sort of tendonitis yeah like persistent pain that's been happening
0: yeah and so when that happens when there's some sort of pain along with the joint a lot of the times trigger points and adhesions and whatever soft tissue, um, you know, things might happen um, can tighten up around the affected area. And so by it, it almost as like a defense thing. And so by foam rolling it, you do break up those adhesions and tightnesses and whatever it might be. But it's not addressing the root cause of what's causing the pain. It's just basically going after what happens as a result of the pain. Mm-hmm. So you just want to make sure that you're not only foam rolling and not only doing mobility work, but also integrating it within an overall um, strength and conditioning program. And now for anyone that presents with any sort of like knee discomfort and things like that, what we'll do is basically initially avoid all exercises that cause pain, right? So let's say squatting, a deep squat hurts, we'll just set them back to a box Where it's elevated enough, where they don't squat as low, and that usually will solve the problem with squatting.
1: One thing that we would do before that even Mm -hmm. is an assessment or evaluation, Mm -hmm. because it is possible that she's just not moving well through some of these movements. True. Yeah. Like it's possible that her squats hurt because her knees are like caving way in Mm -hmm. or something like that, and and just by pushing her knees out, we can make that address the issue. Yeah. So sometimes it's I would say before I mean we definitely like what you're saying is step two, but I would say the first step is actually just saying like what hurts and let me see you do it once or twice yeah, and just see what's going on from a movement like mechanic standpoint, because maybe it's actually something that we can just shift her, her uh, form a little bit. Yeah. So if her knees are really collapsing in or shooting way over her toes, we can just kind of like shift her back a little bit or push her knees out a little bit. And if that kind of clears things up, it might've been the repetitive, like she might be doing a ton of lunges in like a way that's exacerbating that knee pain mm-hmm. and just by fixing the form and then going back to doing lunges again, she might feel better. Yeah, that's um, true. So that would be step one is just check form for some of the movements that are bothering her. Mm-hmm. And then step two would be what you were doing. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: it could be as quick as just like an easy correction of sit back a little bit more or what, whatnot. Um, and yeah, a lot of times it's like, Oh, that immediately takes pressure off the knee and it's not, you know, an issue anymore. Yeah. If it's a little bit more of an actual, um, Issue, then we can start to go into movements that might take away further pressure off the knee or avoid the knee joint altogether, mm-hmm. at least for a little while, while we start working on foam rolling, mobility work, and just overall movement quality. And then, so let's say, so again, so if if they're squatting down, um, deep squats hurt, but squatting down to a box doesn't seem to hurt, then we'll stick with that. And so we just slowly start to introduce more and more movements that that person can do and over time what that does is that it strengthens the area around the joint Um, and so what we're trying to do is is basically strengthen the integrity of the knee in that situation so we first shy away from it and then we very slowly incrementally dose exercises in order to then make sure that we can start to strengthen the area around it without triggering any sort of big inflammation process So what most people do is they lay off of it for two weeks and then they try to go back to directly what they're doing and it it increases the inflammation process so much that it then causes pain again. And so a lot of people go through this vicious cycle where it has to be a lot more of a patient process, right?
1: Yeah, and then the other, so that's one extreme is people just going like, completely resting it, like not doing anything that involves the knee, and then going right back to what they were doing, Mm -hmm. and that usually doesn't work. Another thing that people do is they get so nervous about the exercises that were bothering them that they never reintroduce that kind of movement, and that's also not good. So if you – we have so many people who are like, oh, well, I heard you're not supposed to let your knees go over your toes. And like Uh we've heard that before too. And that's usually somebody who had some knee pain. And at one time someone told them, try keeping your knees behind your toes during squats, lunges, deadlifts, whatever you're doing, because that does take some pressure off the knee joint, Uh but that should be temporary because in life, we have to let our knees go over our toes. Yeah. And if we're not going to reintroduce strength in that movement pattern, then we're actually going to hurt our knee walking up the stairs yeah. or you know bending down to pick something up because we haven't actually rebuilt that strength around the joint. So it's not that you should... So number one, you shouldn't just go from one extreme of completely resting it to the other extreme of going right back to it. We really need to gradually rebuild it. You also don't want to just never go back to doing any of the exercises yeah. like, ever again that use your knee joint.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind so kind of like this
1: fine balance between those two things.
0: Yeah. And so you just need to basically just use your best judgment when you start to reintroduce stuff. And so let's say like a walking lunge with weights. That might be a little bit too aggressive when you're first starting to reintroduce movement back towards the knee. But maybe a split squat with two dumbbells might be okay, where you're just stationary and moving up and down really at a controlled pace. But if that hurts, then drop the weights and do a bodyweight split squat. Or if that hurts, then you can grab a TRX and use assistance throughout the split squat. But more than likely, after some spending some time um, doing mobility work, doing foam rolling, doing movement quality-based work, core work, you're going to be able to introduce, once that inflammation has gone down from the initial injury or whatever has happened, you're going to be able to introduce some sort of movement at that injured joint Um and it's going to be okay as long as you dose it appropriately. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about the whole cool thing. still doing
0: it. <laughs> should, should we recap that? I feel like it was a little bit all over the place. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So foam rolling is okay, but it needs to be part of a comprehensive plan. So make sure that you do your foam rolling work, do your mobility work. Make sure just get, get it checked out not only by a physical therapist, but get your movement quality checked out by a coach. So they can assess whether or not maybe you're making some, you know, micro suboptimal movement patterns, and they can make some slight adjustments to your movement, and then from there slowly and very, um, you know, uh, at a at a good pace, <laughs> uh, reintroducing movements to the affected area. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: All right. <laughs> so final question. This one is from Roshan Kumar. He said, I've been following your page for a long time and it has always helped me to be clear on a lot of things. So thank you very much for that. But today I need a little help. Actually, I'm a tennis player and I do a lot of weight training too. Yesterday I started practicing without doing a proper warmup and I've been having a lot of discomfort whenever I'm swinging for a forehand. The pain is exactly at the shoulder joint where it joins with the arm. I have no mobility issues in my shoulder at all. I can do overhead squats and most of the shoulder mobility exercises with ease, which would really, would be really happy if you could help me out. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) So it looks like, so this person is a tennis player. They have been doing strength training. It seems like they have no mobility issues, at least uh, according to him. Um, And basically he did, he started practicing tennis without going through a proper warm up. And now the following day or the day after that, he's had some discomfort in his shoulder joint, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the thing, the reason why we picked this question is because this this can often happen where you either don't warm up and just jump right into an exercise and something is causing you some sharp pain. And the big thing here is, you know, if it lasts for a few days, a week or two weeks, you definitely want to get it checked out by a physical therapist, but in the meantime, mentally, you don't need to freak out. Like you don't need to think that like your whole arm is like shattered and you need surgery. Like your body's very resilient, and not only resilient, it's it's very uh, uh, like adept at just recovering pretty quickly. And so as long as it, basically what happened here is somehow he overloaded some tendon because it wasn't warmed up properly, there wasn't enough blood flow, and now it's irritated. And unless he actually tore something, which I I highly doubt is the case, more than likely he just needs a little bit of rest, some uh, rice, rest, (laughs) ice, compression, and elevation. um, And more than likely in a week or two he's going to be totally fine, as long as he doesn't go back and overdo it again and does it repeatedly, right? But I think um, a lot of people think at the first sight of pain that they are now... Crippled and debilitated and they can't do anything. Won't be able to
1: play anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, for these, like, acute injuries like this, just knowing that your body can really readily heal itself as long as you give it time. And then not interrupting the inflammation process by aggravating it further.
1: Yeah. So how much, like, rest would you recommend for...
0: Um, I would say probably anywhere from three to seven days. You know, yeah. I'm not a medical professional, but based on my personal history, as well as working with, you know, the hundreds of people that we've worked with, that seems to be a general guideline that we like to go for somewhere around there. Definitely, if it doesn't get any better within two weeks, we always refer out no yeah. matter what to a physical therapist. But that first two week window, we try not to make too big of a deal of it. And we're just like, okay, okay let's just avoid that area for a little while and let's see if that inflammation calms down a little bit. And that's regardless of it's a shoulder or it's a knee or a back, we just let that area try to treat itself and work itself out. And if there's any sort of decrease in pain over the course of the two weeks, then we just monitor it really closely. And once there's no pain, then we very slowly, again, reintroduce movements that target that area without overloading it without adding extra inf- inflammation. Yeah. I think that's what we do, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's exactly what we do. I was just prompting you to say that.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think probably before, as soon as someone presented with some sort of pain, we made it to be a bigger deal a bigger than deal. it was yeah. because, you know, we, we didn't want to cause any pain, right? Yeah. So we were like, oh, let's not do anything. Let's, let's, let's be really careful about it. But, you know, as we've been interacting with physical therapists more and understanding what actually is occurring, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, bodies are very resilient. People are very capable of handling things and uh, absorbing loads. And so now we can take a little bit more of a sensible approach and then also factor into the whole mindset piece. It's like, no, you're going to be okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, and yeah, there we have sort of like a protocol with different joints that might get inflamed or different areas that might get inflamed for like how to still train around them. So that you also don't feel like you're like now you can't do anything. Like you can't play your sport and you can't work out and you just yeah. kind of feel really, really Down about that. So, with the shoulder, for instance, like he said, he doesn't have any mobility restrictions, and that's great, but probably if it's irritated, going overhead or doing any kind of pressing motions are going to continue to irritate it. Yeah. So, instead of doing that, we can avoid that kind of stuff at the gym, but he can do a lot of, like, plenty of exercises that keep his arms down by his side. Yeah. And even loading the shoulder by holding heavy dumbbells by his side or heavy Mm -hmm. kettlebells. So, doing like deadlift deadlifts are great for the shoulders and they keep your arms down by your sides so they don't they're not very provocative on that joint um but you're still getting some good stability work in. Yeah. Um, farmers carries lunges holding weights down by your sides things like that. So you can still do a lot working around an injury and I think that really helps the mental aspect mm. of it as well. I mean both you and I have gone through various injuries in our in our lives and definitely I know when I was younger it used to be like I was a gymnast and it was either push through it until you couldn't anymore. That was mm-hmm. that was option number one, which was the best option. <laughs> not really, but that was like what we were told was the best option. Like just push through it. Um, and then option number two was like, okay, take two weeks off. And then we yeah. just wouldn't even go, go in. Yeah. And that wasn't helpful either. So Definitely. making sure that you realize that you're not broken. You just have this one part of your body right now that you do need to kind of modify some things for. But to keep, you can totally keep your training going. You might have to stop playing your specific sport for a little bit, or you can practice your other, Your your he said his backhand was what bothered him, so yeah. maybe you can practice his forehand. Um, but just making sure that you don't feel completely debilitated by this.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's such a good point. It's something that we have really strived to do. If someone is, has an injury, it can be really easy to just take a whole step back in terms of the training program. But... We do our best to make sure that we still challenge the person because mm-hmm. they would, if, if their right knee is hurt, that means they have three other limbs that are fully <laughs> capable of getting you know really um, trained and maintaining a training effect. And so oftentimes if someone has um, issues, let's say, with knees, we can really load up bench presses and pull-ups and rows and all that sort of good stuff. Um, or with shoulders, like Lauren said, we can really load up the lower body. And so the person doesn't feel like a patient or someone who can't do anything. They're still working really hard. They're just being a little bit more sensible about the area that is affected currently.
1: Yeah. And it can be really frustrating to just be like, oh, but I, like, I, I was doing so well in this, with this one thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, When I load up heavy pull-ups, I tend to get some, like, neck and shoulder discomfort. Yeah. And I get so, I do get frustrated. Like, it's so easy to get frustrated because you're like, I was making so much progress and I know, logically, that I should, I could make progress in other ways, in other areas and I can continue to work out but I'm like, but I was doing this one thing so well and it was going so well and now I'm so mad. So we get that it's not an easy mental game to have an injury. Like, really does take a lot of um, it takes a lot out of you and it like really does have an emotional response. Um, but the more you can take a step back and think about your health as a whole and how much more important it is to just maintain a healthy lifestyle as a whole, rather than to be able to maintain a certain amount of weight on a pull up or to be able to continue your squatting progression. Like if something goes wrong, it's not the end of the world, even though it feels so frustrating, it's really okay to take a step back and to work on some other things. Yeah. So love that. Cool.
0: Let's finish it off there.
1: All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed those answers. I think that was all we have for you today for your burning questions. And we look forward to answering more questions. If you have more, send them to us. Uh, You can DM us at AchieveFitnessBoston on Instagram. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a iTunes review, we'd be super, super grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.